Good morning. Let us, uh, looks like we're pretty well settled, uh, so let us begin with a prayer. Our gracious and loving Father in heaven, it is our prayer that you were pleased with the attention that we give to your word today, the commitment that we give to you. We're thankful, Father, for this opportunity to be together, and we're thankful that you have directed us in your word to not only come together and be together, but to want to be together as faithful children of a loving Father. And we're thankful for this opportunity to study a portion of your word this morning. We pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to receive your word with all gladness and to think in terms of applying your will to our lives in every way. Bless our study together this morning, Father, and bless each one of us to grow in your word that we might learn more about your son and about you and grow closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, so point that at your neck. I'm not sure where my neck is at. Um, whether you are attending remotely via the Skype and the church website, uh, or if you're here with us in person, or if you're listening to the recording of this later, uh, I am very glad that we are assembled here together. And uh, since since I'll be doing this throughout the summer, uh, the months of June, July, and August, uh, teaching the minor prophets, uh, talking with you, sharing about the minor prophets, uh, I want to submit to you uh, very humbly that... Uh, uh, that, that kind of have a, I kind of have a different mindset. Uh, I have no problem with you thanking me for coming here and being here and occasionally you hear things like for taking time out of your schedule to be here. Uh, and these things are foreign to my mind. Uh, I have a military background and in the military we didn't go, uh, to work. We reported for duty. Um, uh, and, and I managed to get through a whole career in the military without ever once hearing uh, anyone thank me for showing up. 
but a, kind of a, that different mindset, I believe that our duty to assemble, uh, to commune, which means to be together, is a higher calling, a higher calling than military service. And I hope that isn't offensive to anyone. The concept of duty carries very deep meaning in the military mind. It's a very deep word. And because God wants us to come together and he wants us to be together and he wants us to want to desire very strongly to be together, to study his word and to enjoy fellowship, uh, our duty to assemble uh, is a, I believe it is a holy and a spiritual obligation. Uh, it is a, it's a profound privilege because we are sanctified, we're set apart. And, and we think about our own children, if we have any, uh, how strongly we desire that they love one another so much and that they love us and that they all want to be together with us, uh, as often as they're able, then we begin to understand that uh, God's family, the church, is built on the same principles because the whole concept of family came from God in the first place. Uh, when you read his word, you understand that. Uh, so very sincerely, it is good for us to be here. I think Peter was the one who said that at the Transfiguration. It is good for us to be here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Um, and I want to give the example of our, our brother and sister, uh, Gary and Linda Elmore. Um, Gary, uh, Gary explained to me when we were out at, working out at camp one time that uh, they had been kind of lackadaisical, kind of uh, um, uh, they were like uh, lukewarm, you know, as a family. He felt, and they they weren't participating very much in in the church and and doing activities. And they were kind of like, "Do you, you want to go?" I don't want to. And and then finally, they they decided to make a commitment that for one year, as a family, they would attend and participate in absolutely everything the church did. And it was a lock for them. Uh, it did, they didn't even get through that year, of course, and then they. They had become fully dedicated and committed as as members of their church family. And, and I always remember that example. Uh, when it seems like something might prevent me from, from coming here to be with you, you know, there have been times that remembering that from Gary has motivated me over the line. And, uh, and I got past whatever I was going through or experiencing that, that uh, was affecting my, my faith that way. So... Um, this is the summer quarter. Uh, this is the, uh, the first time that we've had the, the adult Bible class in the auditorium for a while. We've been having classes. Tony's been teaching us, uh, thankfully, on Wednesday evenings. Uh, don't miss that obligation to be here either. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the minor prophets. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, the, the minor prophets are referred to as the Twelve. Uh, and... Uh, so today, uh, we might not get into Obadiah yet because I'm going to be teaching, uh, uh, some of the prophets have already been taught a couple of years ago in the succession of, of, uh, how the, the elders have, uh, lined up the, the Bible to be taught. So some of the prophets have already been taught, some of the minor prophets even. So we're going to, we're going to start with Obadiah, uh, and then we're going to, uh, do, uh, Nahum, 
Nahum through Malachi. So a total of, uh, I think that's a total of seven or eight books there. Um, and, you know, from, from the, the devotional that I gave a couple of Wednesday nights ago, you remember that, uh, that my military brain has been programmed to communicate a certain way, and, and I have this template in my head that starts off with an introduction, and that introduction includes uh, usually some kind of attention step, an objective statement, or you establish your thesis, right? Uh, this is our purpose for uh, this communication that we're having. Uh, and then you uh, you give an overview. Uh, and all of that should be motivational, right? And so I want to start off today by laying a foundation uh, and and doing a little bit of motivational stuff that I hope will will help you achieve a certain level of motiva- motivation. That's not to arrogantly assume that you're not already motivated. But if you are already motivated, I want to motivate you a little more, and I want this motivation to last you throughout the quarter and beyond, right? And, of course, we do all understand that the best form of motivation, like the best form of discipline, is self-motivation, self-discipline. The word motivation comes from the Latin movere, which means to move. So I want to say some things to move you in a certain direction, to move all of us. Um, so I want us to uh, focus on a couple of passages from the New Testament uh, because it's my, my intention, and this is part of the objective or the thesis, right, for the quarter, um, that, that we're going to study the minor prophets from the Old Testament and we're going to make connections to the New Testament to see how this material is relevant to us, how this portion of God's Word which, you know, uh, for us, we have the benefit of understanding more about God's personality, if you will, his essence from the things we learn from him in the Old Testament. So hopefully that attention step will grab and hold our attention throughout the quarter um, and, and we can motivate our faith, our obedience, our commitment, motivate our dedication, our love for God and for one another, and for the family of God in Christ. So to let you know, uh, throughout the quarter, I will more than likely be using the New King James Version most. Uh, and I, I really can't give you a reason for that. Uh, so I'm not going to get into any discussions about accuracy or any of these kind of things. It is just uh, It just happens to be the one that was, uh, I think, within reach when I started preparing the material uh, to get ready for this. So... Uh, so if you if you happen to have a New King James version, uh, I find it easier to follow if I'm using the same version as a speaker when we start reading scriptures, which is very important. So, uh, so using the New King James here, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to begin there with verse 13. This is the road to Emmaus uh, that I think most of you are very familiar with. I'm going to begin there in 13 where it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Uh, kind of like a biblical version of undercover boss, right? And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened in these days? It's like coming out of the woods and just finding out that there was a pandemic. It's like, what? How do you, how do you not know this? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. So they're pretty disappointed because a lot of people thought that he had come to redeem Israel. They just didn't understand yet, right? So there was there was a whole nother level of teaching that needed to occur to put their minds at ease and to restore their hope. Yes, and certain women in our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. To believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, so the law and the prophets, and uh, the fact that they were probably speaking of uh, the Hebrew version of, of the prophets, what they considered the prophets to include the former prophets, beginning at Joshua and going through Malachi, I think here that he basically meant the entire Old Testament. He expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. So, you know, I I like where uh, Philip and the eunuch, you know, Philip was, uh, they were traveling along and, and it says he preached unto him Jesus, right? This, this Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, and the next thing you know, he's being baptized, this eunuch. And that's always amazed me, the fact that that passage there in Acts tells us that he taught him about Jesus. Doesn't say much more about what he taught him there. And then, hey, there's some water. Uh, what's holding this up, right? So Jesus here, on the road to Emmaus, to open their eyes... Uh, to uh, put their minds at ease and to restore their hope. In verse 27, it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Um, 
That must have been an amazing lesson on the road to Emmaus. Jesus, starting with Moses and all, all the prophets, it says here, he expounded to them all the scriptures concerning himself. So we can begin to see the value of the prophets to ourselves and to New Testament Christianity. And uh, also jump down to verse 44 and 45 here in the same chapter where it says, uh, and this is where Jesus uh, afterward appears to his disciples. And uh, he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and the Psalms, right? And Thank you to our elders for reading the Psalms to us, uh, I think at the close of the Wednesday evenings uh, and on other occasions. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Okay, so Jesus himself here for us emphasizing the importance and the relevance of the prophets. Uh, now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And, and, uh, to help, just to help keep me focused and you along with me, uh, right now we are in the motivational phase of my introduction. So heavy on the motivation here. Okay, and we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, you know me, uh, I'll get hyper-focused on a couple of passages and you will just hear no end of it from me. So here we are back in Ephesians 4 again, uh, probably third time recently, right? Because I just really get excited about what the scriptures are communicating to us as a church family, as the children of God, when I read Ephesians here, uh, and, and a lot of other passages, but... Um, Let's start off with uh, verse 1 one through 3 here in Ephesians 4, where it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep, this part, the unity of the faith. Very important. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we're going to read more about the unity of the spirit, the unity of the faith, our unity, our cohesiveness as a body in Christ. And now let's jump down to verse 11. And he himself is talking about Jesus from the verses that preceded this. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, Right, And that's what we're studying this quarter, the prophets. They get a mention here, right? So he gave some to be apostles who we understand are no longer with us. Some prophets who are no longer with us. Uh, not in the pre, uh, inspired by God prophetic sense. Uh, you, can, you can boil down the definition of that word prophet and see where it's, uh, it's used in, you know, in, in forms that, uh, that may have a different meaning. But we're, we're talking about the... Uh, prophets that were inspired by God and wrote scripture for us. And, and he gave some evangelists 
some pastors and teachers, pastors, uh, elders, shepherds, and teachers. Uh, uh, so this would include uh, all of those who are involved in the teaching, which in James you read, uh, not many of us should be for reasons that frighten me nearly to death uh, and that are always at the front of my mind when I'm, when I'm asked to do something like this. So he himself, Jesus, gave these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and in four other things that we'll talk about in a second. But I want to pause here for a moment. Um, first of all, those mentioned here in verse 11 were not meant by God to do all the work, but to train the people, to train the body to do the work, right? Um, and sometimes we really get that backwards. Um, train the saints to do the work, it says here. But uh, but I want us to think about that process of communication where we have the communicator, the message, and the receiver, right? And so all of these, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, their purpose, the purpose that Jesus gave them to us was for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to, and here it is again, the unity of the faith. Not a unity of a faith, or a unity of the faith, or the unity of a faith. No, there's no a. It's the unity of the faith, and we understand that there is one faith. And so, um, in that process of communication where you have the communication, uh, and, and, you know, here from this text we see that the communicators are these people responsible for equipping us, the saints. Um, so the saints, if they are not evangelizing, teaching, shepherding, it says pastors here, but that's shepherds, uh, elders of the flock, uh, then they're only on one side of this formula. They are receiving the communication. But if you happen to be one of the ones mentioned here uh, that were given by, by Christ, then you're on both sides of that equation because you're on the side of providing that uh, for equipping the saints, and you're also on the side of receiving that and becoming equipped. So you're either on one side of this formula or on both sides of it. And hopefully, uh, regardless of who you are or what you do, if you have the, the, the word of God in your heart, uh, you're finding ways to get yourself on both sides of that formula, uh, sharing the Lord with others. Okay, so um, I want to read that passage in full now because I kept stopping, right? And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men 
in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This passage is is worthy of much focus and study. Uh, it's a good motivation for us to read through this and just meditate on that before we come here to be together. Uh, and if you ever get aggravated with your brother or sister, talk to them, but just stop being aggravated. Uh, like Tony's talking about forgiveness, uh, uh, it's, I think it's Proverbs uh, maybe 19 and 11. I shouldn't have even brought this up because I can't remember where it's at. Uh, Proverbs, uh, one of my favorites here. Yeah, Proverbs 19.11 where it says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. They're talking about a man. A man's glory is to overlook a transgression. And uh, uh, I appreciate that. So now let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. I assure you, I mean, Lord willing and uh, time allowing me to continue and uh, we will get to the minor prophets. We will. This is motivation. Remember, this is our foundation I'm laying here to motivate us. So in Matthew chapter 22, you cannot get your money back. Okay, Matthew chapter 22 and... Uh, I'm going to start with verse 35, I think. This is where the scribes are messing with Jesus again like they did. 35, it said, well, I'll start with 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great command. commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, so we had just seen there in Ephesians where the prophets were included in a list of people uh, who were uh, meant by God, who were given by Jesus to equip the saints for the edification of the body. And then here we see Jesus again, like he had on the road to Emmaus, stressing the importance and the significance of the prophets, where he says there in verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And you know, uh, with regard to making the connection between the Old Testament and the New, go back to Exodus chapter 20 and look at the Ten Commandments there, uh, and all ten of them also hang on these two commandments. Uh, because the first four of the Ten Commandments are about loving God, 
And then the last six of the commandments there are about loving your neighbor and about how to treat your neighbor. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, kind of factor that into your, your thinking on uh, how here in verse 40 he says, On these two commandments, uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor, right? Uh, or how how uh, these two commandments on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets and so then uh the next three passages we're going to look at I, I want us to start thinking in terms of melding these together uh like uh an alloy or an amalgam and i'm not even sure if those i'm using those words right but it you know it sounds right so um uh, let's, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. <clears throat> In uh, this Paul's letter to the, the church at Corinth here, uh, in verse 10, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren. This guy is like begging. This is so important to him, right? I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that like, that like emphasizes the importance of this message like a whole lot more beyond the begging part that came in the beginning. That you all, he's talking to the church and to us, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I'm like, what? Because, like, I've been a member of the church since uh, the 28th of October, 1988, and I've been a member of several congregations, and, uh, like, has someone just not explained to God how things work among the brethren, you know? Because this, I mean, really? Is he is he serious here? And the answer is yes. Yeah, this is his expectation for us. Sometimes it requires some difficult conversations to get past some things that we're not seeing eye to eye on, but those conversations must happen. You read in Acts chapter 15 where there was, you know, there was, uh, there was some heated discussions going on there that, uh, that culminated in, in a, in, uh, an outcome that pleased the Holy Spirit. You know, so read that when you have time. Um, what he's saying here, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, and that's just something that we have to work at all the time. You have to be willing to do that work. Uh, and then you can read Jesus' prayer in, in John 17, where he prays for our unity there also. And read about Eodia and Syntyche in Philippians. And so now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5. And in Hebrews chapter 5, I think I'm going to start with verse 12. Yep. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. The oracles of God, that just means the scriptures. The, you, you need to be taught again. Look how long you've been a, crush, a Christian now and, and, uh, now you need to go back and be taught again the foundational stuff. 
uh, and you haven't you haven't worked beyond that is it what he's saying here uh, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the work of righteousness for he is a babe so basically is what it's saying here is uh you got that uh, maybe a spiritual Benjamin Button thing going on, you know, where, uh, uh, you know, you should be growing and maturing and and in spiritual terms, looking more like an adult in Christ. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's like Tennyson said, the, the it was Tennyson? Uh, that was a different guy. Um, the cultivation of intellect is emphatically useful. Uh, no, that was in the idea of a university. Oops. That was in the idea of a university. Read that sometime. It's in the seventh discourse there. Um, Newman. John Henry Newman said that. Not Tennyson, sorry. Um, the cultivation of intellect is emphatically useful. However, knowledge unapplied, what's the point? Right. Other than using it to impress people <laughs> with the knowledge, you know, um, but it says here in verse 14, but solid food, this is where you want to be. This is where you want to grow to. Right. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who and now this is this is the most important part. Underline, underline this, put a star by it and, and go back and read it later. Those who, by reason of use, application, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we don't learn to discern good and evil by having knowledge in our head, right? It's from using it, from applying that knowledge. And here we're talking about spiritual things. And then I'm, uh, we'll look at the next verse, which is the third in, in, in this passage, uh, the third that I want to put together, and then I'm going to tie it all together. In First Peter chapter 4, okay, and stay with me. Don't lose focus, right? I've almost forgotten a couple times up here what I was talking about. But this is our foundation for the quarter. I'm trying to motivate you, right? Um so in 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 7 there. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, that sounds important, right? Above all things. Above all things, have fervent love one for another. Because love will cover a multitude of sins. So, James, Matt, David, Tom, are we loving one another fervently? Maybe that's worth a little meditation right there. All right? I love you guys. Love one another fervently, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I could use some of that. So love me fervently. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And here's our focus right here. Verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak 
as the oracles of God. Now there that is, we had just seen the oracles of God mentioned when we were looking back there in Hebrews chapter 5 where it said that, uh, that, uh, that the knowledge of good and evil comes from application of the oracles of God. So learn the scriptures, know them, and then apply them, right? And uh, uh, anyone who's been doing that for very, very long will tell you there's going to be some trial and error involved, right? But but that's why all of this unity has been emphasized so much in the Word of God here, here, and every other passage we've looked at because it's uh, iron sharpens iron, right? Uh, you got your brethren to help. You know, like in, like I said in Acts chapter 15 where there was some heated discussions and they arrived at a conclusion together that pleased the Holy Spirit. So it's okay for these things to happen. And so here's what I believe God expects from us regarding his word that we're going to study together for the next quarter in this class, other classes, and in the lessons that we get from the pulpit. Um, so first of all, time management, I, I believe that God expects us to, to put a higher priority on studying his word right uh psalm 119 11 thy word i've hidden in my heart that i might not sin against thee so he wants us to make studying his word a higher priority than our career than uh social media that uh there's a mad addiction all over the world now uh uh that uh that uh, people are are looking at this stuff for hours right uh i guess every day uh, they say that the average person checks their phone something like 6,000 times a day or something like that. It's, it's unbelievable, right? Um, but, uh, you know, examine your life. Tony keeps telling us to take inventory, so do that. Sit down. Start writing. Write down everything that you do. Look at how you spend your time, right? Uh, and make some adjustments if God is not seen as a priority in your actual list of how you are spending your time, right? Uh, and so that's a good exercise for us to do there. Uh, empty house leaves room for some bad things, right? So um, I believe that with regard to God's Word, He expects us to do like... Uh, uh, you think about the levels of learning. Uh, there's a Bloom's cognitive taxonomy they taught us when I was an instructor. It's just a hierarchy of learning where at the basic level you start off with knowledge. The children in the classes, they have a Bible memory verse, so they memorize some scriptures, and that's excellent. That's a good exercise. Start to put the Word of God in their hearts. And we do the same thing, do we not? We look at a scripture, we say, man, I need to look at that. We study it over and over, and we memorize it, and we can start to kind of speak that fluently, you know, if not word for word, we can get it right, you know. Um, but I, I think that God expects his word to be in our hearts and in our minds in such a way that we speak it fluently, uh, like our first language, English, uh, to the extent that at some point uh, in our studies, God's word surpasses English as your first language. And I can sit down with a brother in our home or in a restaurant somewhere over coffee, and he and I can sit there without a Bible, because maybe both of us accidentally left it in a car or something, right? We can sit there and we can have a discussion and be speaking much about the Word of God and from the Word of God from our hearts, understanding that we're both actually getting it right and, and we're applying it by use from Hebrews 5. We're applying it accurately 
and we're correcting one another if we're not. And if I say, man, uh, uh, money is the root of all evil, and then uh, I'm sitting there with James at the village inn over coffee, and James says, no, no, the love of money is, oh, oh, you're correct, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me, right? Um, and then to go beyond that, outside of the brotherhood, that when we have opportunities to to communicate with people, with our neighbors, with um, with our coworkers, uh, with even with strangers, that we are at that moment speaking the word of God and sharing His will for them as our first language, like English is for most of us, and that that's just something that's natural for us, something that's not awkward. Uh, something out of character or something that we're nervous about or ashamed of that we just do it that that's what people come to expect from us if if they're going to communicate with us um, I'm not sure what that bell means I heard a bell five minutes okay so yeah I, I warned you we probably wouldn't get actually get to Obadiah today so uh, we'll start that uh, next week, but I did make a copy of a couple of things that I can kind of start for a couple of minutes here and then we'll kind of rehash this next week. Um, and so remember, those things that we talked about today and those passages we looked at and tying those things together, that was the motivation that I hope will sustain all of us through the quarter uh, and beyond uh, to strengthen our faith and to strengthen our commitment to learn God's Word because these prophets that we're going to be talking about... Um, Jesus himself emphasized the importance of them to our knowledge, right? Uh, and so we're going to get into that, find those things, and we're going to connect the the lessons from the prophets and the prophetic things to us, not just to the New Testament, but to us today, and uh, talk about how we need to remember certain things and learn from that. Um, and I like this, the fact that, uh, oh, let me cite and integrate my sources, and I'll do this again occasionally. It's a matter of uh, academic integrity and just integrity in general. Uh, I've got, I'm going to have lesson material that didn't come from me because, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, that's not my thing. Right. So uh, I'm going to rely on this commentary uh, set uh, that, I, that I bought through uh, Judy over here from... Uh, uh, so this this fellow that wrote the minor prophet commentaries is Coy D. Roper, Ph.D. And so if you have these, you're welcome to follow along, and I encourage you to get ahead of me and know more than I do, right? Uh, don't hesitate there. And then the other one is, uh, well, I didn't bring it, uh, but there's a fellow uh, who wrote some lesson material on the minor prophets I found on the website of the Southgate Church of Christ in San Angelo, Texas, where uh, Mike Sherrill's brother John is the preacher. Uh, and so, you know, kind of an interesting connection there. It uh, appears to be excellent material, but I'll proofread it before I share it in here. So I'm going to combine, kind of combine this stuff and then the stuff from the brother, uh, and I'll tell you his name next week, uh, from the Southgate Church of Christ in San Angelo where John Sherrill preaches with my own knowledge and then, of course, you know, the, the scriptures and kind of weave that all together. But it's not my job to make this interesting. You know, uh, if you've ever said, oh, who's teaching that class? And then you hear the name and you're like, Ugh, right? Uh, then there's nothing wrong with the guy that, that's teaching that class. There's something wrong with you. 
and uh, uh, something wrong with me because I, I've done that before too, right? Something wrong with my attitude. Uh, it's not your responsibility or my responsibility to make this stuff exciting or interesting. Folks, this is the Word of God. I'll take it any way I can get it. Thank you for your attention.